Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of the No Limits Podcast presented by the State Hornet Podcast Network, the podcast where we talk about everything going on in the pro sports world. I am your co-host, Matt Irvin III, and joining me once again is my good friend, Gary Singh. Gary, how are you today? What's up? What's happening? What's good with you, Mac? Now, Gary, um, this podcast is a little different because we have somebody in the studio with us, and that somebody is a recent graduate from Sacramento State. It's Mr. Sean Holko. Sean, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Rest in peace. Double coverage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have a full list of things to talk about on the docket today. Uh, we got to talk about the failure of Bill O'Brien's Houston Texans. He got fired yesterday. So what other coaches in the NFL are on the hot seat? We'll talk about that. We got to talk about the NBA finals. Obviously, Lakers up 2-1 in the series with game two, ha- game four happening tonight. Uh, it'll have already happened by the time you listen to this. Then we're going to talk about the big games in the NFL that we saw the past week and big games to look forward to next week, week five. So let's just jump right into it. The Houston Texans announced yesterday that they fired head coach and GM Bill O'Brien midway through his seventh season with the team. Now he had just traded away arguably one of the top receivers in the NFL in DeAndre Hopkins. So a lot of people were already unhappy with his tenure. But uh, Gary, I'll start with you. Did you see this fire coming at all? Um, yeah, to be honest with you, I thought this fire was going to come way earlier in the season as soon as they traded D-Hop. But we can just go on the list of things he did, trade around, traded County, traded a defensive end, and they picked up one in the draft. So, and yeah, you can just tell the well, all the reports coming out just no one's really happy in the locker room, and especially if your main man, Deshaun Watson's not happy and J.J. Watson's not happy. Some changes got to be made. So what do you think, Sean? I think Bill O'Brien as a head coach is not bad. He, he had a successful run as a head coach in the NFL for the Houston Texans. You look, and I believe that the Texans won the division four times. So as a head coach, he wasn't too bad. As a general manager, he was awful. Gary, you already talked about um, some of the trades that he made. Mac, you talk about um, how they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. It, you know, it could really be a toss-up, but through the first four weeks of the season, I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And that's a that's a lot coming from me, an Ohio State fan, when you got Michael Thomas still out there. I think that Bill O'Brien, it was his time to go. It was his time to go. He was a good head coach, at least, but not a good general manager. Yeah, overall record of 52 and 48 through six seasons and four games. As you mentioned, Sean, won the AFC South four times, a two and four playoff record, and a lot of questionable moves. And especially, and now for the Houston Texans, you know, where do you go from here? Because the team is missing their first round. They didn't have a first round pick last year. You don't have your first rounder or second rounder in this next coming draft. And now you have to hire a GM and a head coach in the middle of a pandemic season. So where do they go from here? First of all, they got to hire that GM because we've seen a lot of times that um, it just works better in terms of continuity to have a general manager come in first because then at least the the general manager doesn't come in after the head coach and then think that um, that they favored the head coach or anything. And so everyone's on the same page because at least if the general manager can be on the same page, 
as the ownership and they agree on a head coach they want to bring in, at least the GM can feel like they brought in their guy. And that guy that they need to bring in is Eric Bieniemy. He should have had a head coaching job already in the NFL. It's rem- it's remarkable that he hasn't. He continues to excel as the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and uh, I think he's the perfect fit for the Texans and Deshaun Watson. Yeah, going off that, Sean, you took a reward right out of my mouth. I was thinking Eric Bimendemi, too. I think he's a great guy that should be given opportunities, plus his resume the, really defies that he should get opportunity. And just on last thing on Bill O'Brien, I just feel like, Another Bill Belichick disciple goes down again, and that's one thing we need to really look at, that these Bill Belichick people, a lot of people like to do that. If you're in good coaching tree, football, basketball, keep picking off the tree, but it's not looking like you're not going to get that same guy. So you got to give start getting people the opportunity of who deserve it, not just people who have connections to it. Matt, Patricia, beware. Look out. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the head man in Detroit because that's exactly what I was going to get into. Now now that Bill O'Brien has been mm-hmm. fired, a lot of people, including myself, didn't expect him to be the first coach to go when you look at coaches like Adam Gase over there with the New York Jets and Matt Patricia with the Detroit Lions. I pose this question to both of you. Who has the hottest seat right now in the NFL and who could who else could we see go in the middle of the season? I think we're going to see Dan Quinn go here very, very soon. ATL has lost way too many games from behind. Just last night, they were looking bad. And I think it's kind of the same thing in Bill O'Brien. That voice might be getting still in the locker room. You might need something fresh because your team's going to just start losing confidence in you if you keep up in the games and you're losing. Like, the Cowboys can't fire their coach, but I know they're thinking right now, scratching their head like, oh, my God. We keep losing double-digit leads and keep coming, trying to come back, and just not working out. So I feel like that's one of the hottest seats. And you also can say, like you said, Adam Gase on the Jets, 0-4 right now. He can have a hot seat because they do have a lot of talent on that team. Adam Gase is the answer for me because the Jets, they have been awful for years. They have been awful since Adam Gase got there, even before he got there. But when he came from Miami, he was supposed to be the offensive genius who – solved all the problems and now when when the media asked him after the game what went wrong he just says we aren't executing we aren't doing this we aren't doing that but yet it doesn't seem like he can fix any of those problems so adam gase seems like the answer for me you look at um you look at a guy like dan quinn that gary was talking about keep in mind that the falcons they had an awful start to last season as well and then the falcons they had a really great second half to last season that's how dan quinn kept his job last year So I think that Dan Quinn, he has a little bit of a longer leash um, than an Adam Gase. And then Matt Patricia, it was a really big win for the Lions to get get the win on the road in Arizona in week three against the Cardinals, who look to be a great team. Now they're two and two. But for me, I think Adam Gase is the, the next coach to go in the NFL. Sean, I think you're absolutely right. I was under the impression that he would not get another head coaching job for at least a couple years after that dreadful stint in Miami. He was considered to be an offensive genius, mind you, when they promoted him to head coach. So to see him fall flat, this flat with the team he has in New York, I know it's not the best team, but you have some nice pieces there. You have Le'Veon Bell. You have Frank Gore. Now he is getting up there in age, but he could still produce for you. You have Sam Darnold. Why is it not clicking for you guys? You look at the the roster and the staff that Adam Gates assembled, and it's really mind-boggling to me that he was not the first coach fired. 
but uh, we'll see what happens moving forward in the season. Before we move on from that, especially considering the fact that Bill O'Brien, like he had his team in the playoffs last year. They had a 24 to zero lead on the road against the future Super Bowl champions. And he got ousted first before Adam Gase, which is amazing. So that's why I think these coaches who have at least made the playoffs, they have a little bit of a longer leash. But Bill O'Brien, he really just dug himself a hole as the general manager. And that's why he's gone. And he was way too stubborn about the moves. It was almost like he was trying to overcompensate for the David Johnson trade by using him more. But when you trade away your best weapon, that cripples every other part of your offense. And we saw that on display through the first four weeks. All right, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the NBA. Obviously, we got the finals going on. The Lakers are up two games to one on the Miami Heat in the series. The Heat were able to buy themselves a little bit of time with a win in game three. Jimmy Butler had a great game. Tyler Hero had his uh, best snarl impression on display for us. (laughs) What do you guys think about this series? Where do you see it going? Did the Heat have any chance to pull this back and maybe pull off the upset? No way, no how from Rob Parker. That's what my man always says. There's no way they're coming back. I called it in five. We know the Lakers slept last game. They're going to come out, especially all this talk, Jimmy talk, talking all this smack, talking like he's better than LeBron in one game. We, You had one game, Jimmy. Respect. You had to get one. I hope they would, you guys would get one. Hopefully tonight's game in about 40 minutes here will be, will be a nice game. But this is going to be a big night from AD and big night from LeBron. It's going to be called a wrap. It's going to look over and LeBron will be holding his fourth ring on Friday. Whoa, that's that's bold. All right. Well, you know, I think that Miami will fare well in game four. I'm not saying that they're necessarily going to win, but I've said this before the series started. I've said it now. I'm going to continue to say it. If the Lakers are going to win this series, Anthony Davis has to be the finals MVP because you look at the first two games, Anthony Davis, he dominated in game one and game two. The Lakers controlled both games. Then Anthony Davis gets in foul trouble and he doesn't really factor into game three. I think he only had 15 points in game three. And what do you know? The Heat, they end up winning that game. Gary, you just gave me the the biggest what face when I said that, but how is Anthony Davis not the key in this series? I get that LeBron James is on his team, but if the Lakers want to win this series, Anthony Davis has to be the reason why. All right, I'll answer that question. Let's let Matt go real quick. Go ahead, Matt. Now I can come back to that. I do just want to point out that the Lakers need better production from their role players, especially when you talk about KCP and Danny Green. KCP had five points in game three, Danny Green had two points. You're not going to win a championship with with that kind of production from your starters or six man or come off the bench players. So I really think the role players need to step up as well. If the Lakers are going to have any chance to win this series, two people, it, I don't think two people are enough for this series. Yeah, that's true. I believe that. Yep. They're going to have multiple players to step up in that role. I feel like the Lakers in that third position has been rotating. But like Sean asked me, the reason why I made that face, Sean, is because, yeah, I agree with you. AD does have to be a big part in the series because, no, he, I agree. But the part I would look at you weird is like, he's not winning MVP. MVP sailed last game when you score 14 in the finals or 15, whatever he's at. I think I was just trying to look at it right now, 14 or 15 around there. You score 14, you may not win the MVP. That is sale. LeBron's going to get the MVP no matter what. He can he can try tonight. But I'm pretty sure unless LeBron has a 14, 15-point game, which I highly doubt. We all know LeBron, even in losing efforts, still, still get his 25-piece with nine assists and six rebounds. 
So that's why I was making that face to you, Sean. There's no way, no how. Anthony Davis is going to do what he did all year. He's going to be the nice guy who keeps saying LeBron James is the best player on the team. I appreciate my big brother, Bron, for taking me here. And, yes, go hold the trophy so you can have three three MVPs in three different locations. We shall see. But uh, <laughs> I, I, one thing I think for sure um, is that LeBron James, he very well could have a low-scoring game because we've seen plenty of times throughout these playoffs already that LeBron has those games where he doesn't shoot the ball very much and he just defers and he plays point guard and he's out there facilitating. So LeBron James very well could have a 15-point game, Gary, and then he could give 10 dimes to Anthony Davis, and then what do you know? Anthony Davis has 35 points, and then he's still averaging with a 15 point game, he's still averaging what, like 27, 28 a game. So let's pump the brakes a little bit. You know, Sean, it's <laughs> funny you brought that up. It's like you were watching the game with me and my dad because that's all my dad keeps screaming about is LeBron constantly trying to force passes to his teammate. And, and you know, when your players are shooting well, when everybody's producing, it works well. But I think you have to realize uh, when, you know, the shots aren't falling from your teammates, from the Danny Greens, from the KCPs. And when the Anthony Davises are in trouble, sometimes you got to come in and take over. I know he can't do it every night, drop a 50 point game and completely take over, but he's got to, I think we need to see a little bit more initiative from LeBron James when his teammates aren't producing like they should. I think that you guys are being the typical people, like always, want the Michael Jordan, oh, Kobe Bryant mentality. How many years do you need to see LeBron that he doesn't have that type of mentality? He's going to play what the game gives him. We all want him to just dominate the ball, go ahead, move out the way, and go. Drive, 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 every bucket. That's not how LeBron plays, you guys. He plays like a Magic, Don- Magic Johnson mentality. He's going to make sure make the right play first. He's going to make sure he's going to get his teammates involved, even if they're hitting shots or not hitting shots, because they know they will. And he's going to pick his spots and pick his poison. So I trust LeBron on being assertive how he wants to be. LeBron is going to get Anthony Davis so well involved that he's going to get him a finals MVP. <laughs> <laughs> I hope uh, <laughs> oh, we shall see. We shall see what goes hey, on. I, pick, I just want to say that I picked Miami in six, so let's oh. go heat. Your prediction is not looking well, my friend. No, <laughs> I it, think it's, it's going to be squashed by the end of tonight. I wish I bet you, Sean. <laughs> let's step away from the finals for a bit. Let's try to calm everybody down. <laughs> and, uh, you know, speaking of the Clippers, Doc Rivers, who was recently agreed to part ways with the Clippers. He has officially been signed by the Philadelphia 76ers. It was pretty much a done deal when, you know, he agreed to watch game one of the finals with them. So what do you guys make of this move? I feel like personally, I think he was the best option out there for Philadelphia. When you look at guys like Dan Tony or the other guys out there, I think Doc Rivers was the best pure basketball option for the 76ers. It's as simple as this. Doc Rivers has had 13 consecutive winning seasons. So Doc Rivers is definitely the guy that Philadelphia should have brought in. And he's had success in the Eastern Conference before, first with the Orlando Magic, then obviously with the Boston Celtics, where he won his only championship as a head coach. He wasn't able to get the job done with the Clippers. The Clippers could just be a cursed franchise. And I think if anyone is going to make this partnership work between Simmons and Embiid, it has to be a tenured, respected coach like Doc Rivers. And yeah, Sean, I agree with you. I think Sean, I think we're both of you guys. I think Doc Rivers was the best man for his job. Really just looking at the resume, like you said, but also 
looking at like his team, he coached the Clippers with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. I take that as an example where he could take non-shooting players and different type of players that wouldn't really mesh in today's league and get some, get a winning record out of them. And I think he's going to be able to do that. But I don't think nothing's going to be able to get done there unless they change that team. Elton Brand's going to have to get the, get some shooting back. We all know they lost Reddick, lost, they lost uh, Butler. So they got to get some shooting back for that team to actually be good. But, yeah, I think Doc Rivers is the best bet for them. This wasn't originally on the docket, but let's give a brief thought about this. Uh, according to Mark Stein of the New York Times, Alvin Gentry has agreed to join the Sacramento Kings as associate head coach obviously replacing the spot filled by Igor Kokoskov when he left to go to Turkey. What do you guys make of this? Is this a uh, is this a good associate head coach hire, or is this just trying to bring in the guy who's going to replace Luke Walden later? There you go, Mac. You got it with that. You got it with the ladder there. That This is going to be the guy that will probably eventually replace Luke Walton if things don't work out. And Alvin Gentry, he is a very experienced head coach in the NBA. He's gotten teams to the playoffs before. Um, and this is probably the best option that the Kings could have gotten to come to Sacramento for an assistant uh, coach role. And uh, Alvin Gentry, he's looking for a new start. Maybe he could get it on the West Coast. If things work out with Luke Walton, then you have a great assistant coach. If things don't work out, then you have an easy replacement. So you could at least have someone in there like an Alvin Gentry to be your interim head coach to get you through the season if that had to happen. Yeah, I mean, two questions I have about that. Did Luke Walton pick him or did the Kings pick him? Second question I have for that really is, um, I hope they don't get rid of Luke Walton, even though I don't really, don't really care for Luke Walton. I don't think he's all right, coach. He's doing so, so, so far. But the only thing I'm really just thinking back in my head is, let's not let De'Aaron have another coach. He's going to be like, oh, my God, I've been in an Sacramento Kings uniform. I've had like five coaches here already. Like when you're trying to sign the next contract, it's like, oh my God. But what what do you think, Mac? Um, it is an interesting hire. You know, obviously they wanted somebody with experience and somebody who, you know, has an idea of how to control his players. And I think Alvin Gentry is definitely that guy. You know, it's interesting to note that he was the guy who coached DeMarcus Cousins when he got traded to the Pelicans. Uh, I don't think a reunion's on the cards, but I just think it was interesting. Oh, okay, to point Carmichael that out. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got saw that from him as well. But yeah, I think this is a I think this is a good hire, but obviously there's no way to really tell until the season gets back in the way. We still don't know what this roster is going to look like under Monty McNair. What kind of moves are going to be made? I mean, we already we've already seen reports that Buddy's not returning Luke Walton's phone calls, so it's all up in the air right now until we see the regular season come around. And something that was good about this hire, um, I believe it hasn't been finalized yet, but it seems like it's going to happen to bring Alvin Gentry to Sacramento. One good thing that could come from this is that maybe Alvin Gentry could buddy up with Buddy Heald and he could be the coach on Luke Walton's staff who actually communicates with Buddy Heald because we know that sometimes assistant coaches have better relationships with the players than a head coach does. So maybe Alvin Gentry could be that guy to be able to build chemistry with Buddy Heald and also in the hypothetical situation that we were talking about earlier where maybe Luke Walton did get fired, then Alvin Gentry would already have that chemistry and camaraderie with some of the players. So we shall see, and Alvin Gentry um, could be the guy to keep Buddy Heald in Sacramento. Who knows? But it should be noted that um, I believe Alvin Gentry has already coached Buddy Heald in New Orleans. So yes, we have correct. that relationship. 
Well, it's never a dull day in Sacramento, is it? It is. <laughs> and, <laughs> and with that, let's pivot back to the NFL. Now, we talked about already Bill O'Brien and the coaches on the hot seat, but we didn't talk about the action that we saw in week four. So what were you guys' biggest games from this past week of football? The Cowboys are the fumblers. They have fumbleitis. I'm making it official. That is the new word, fumbleitis for the Cowboys. All my Cowboys family who is going to hear me say this, you guys already know I've been talking to you guys all weekend. They already got six total fumbles already with this team. This team can't – I don't know if they're allergic to even starting off with a lead. Dak Prescott literally has only thrown two passes being up so far this whole season. So that's one of the big mistakes. I want to stop hearing about the Cowboys. The game that I enjoyed the most from this past weekend was the Buccaneers and the Chargers. The Chargers got out to a huge lead in that game as they were up 24 to 7. Justin Herbert, he looked really, really good. Unfortunately, Austin Eckler got hurt in the first half of that game. And then uh, Joshua Kelly, who played at UC Davis, then he walked on at UCLA, and now he's on the Chargers. He had a crucial fumble at the end of the first half, which gave the Buccaneers some momentum. They got a touchdown before halftime, um, and then they ended up winning that game by a touchdown. But um, my biggest takeaways was that Tom Brady still looks like Tom Brady, which is really great, and he's finally startling, starting to settle in with his new teammates and build that chemistry um, in Tampa Bay. And uh, also Justin Herbert, he looks really good. He only had one mistake in this game, and it was an interception on the last drive of the game when he really had to force it. So uh, two great quarterbacks in this game, and it was crazy because they were uh, like 20 years apart, which is remarkable. I'm going to go to the NFC West. You know I had to. Uh, first, I want to talk about Sean's team, the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. I think one of the things that the fans are really going to learn from the past couple weeks is how much they really value Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, we've seen, you know, people on social media come out and, uh, you know, be critical of Jimmy's questioning whether he's the right guy to lead the 49ers. And to be fair, I had faith in Mullins to lead them past the Eagles, but uh, he had a horrible night throwing the footballs. I saw a lot of people mentioning that he was uh, did not look really well under pressure. And the Eagles took staunch advantage of that. So I think the Niners will really be looking forward to getting Jimmy Garoppolo back as soon as possible. And any conversation about whether he's the guy for San Francisco, I think that could be put to rest with that game right there. Uh, also want to go to the Seahawks game. Uh, they beat the Dolphins 31 to 23. Uh, Seahawks are a confusing team as always. Russell Wilson, the clear MVP favorite at the moment through four weeks of football. Uh, but as good as he looked and as many points they put up, the defense is atrocious. 1,604 passing yards allowed through four games. That's 401 yards per game through the air. And that is, that's horrific for a team with Super Bowl aspirations. So I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do there, but that's something they need to fix immediately if they don't want to get ripped apart by other contending teams. Also, uh, the Rams game, that was closer than I would have expected. 17-9, the mm -hmm. L.A. Rams beat the New York Giants. That was surprising to see. I thought they would have easily beat a team without any recognizable weapons. So I think those were the three games that really caught my attention from this past week. Aaron Rodgers is on line one um, to join that debate on MVP with Russell Wilson because right now those are the two leading candidates in the NFL. 
Agreed, agreed. Uh, like he said, 49ers, I feel like they're a good team. Injuries are hurting them right now, as we all know. But they do have a hard schedule, so let's look at that. Also, the Raiders, I know we don't want to talk about them, but like we said, I feel like they've been doing solid. They've been doing okay. So let's see what they can do. It's Especially this week, they're going to have a nice game. We'll see Chiefs versus Raiders if they can even put up a fight. Um, Bills-Titans coming up this week is a good game to look at. And like you already mentioned, if Cal, I already talked about it. If Cowboys lose to the Giants, it's going to be all bad. Something's going to have to be done up there. But, yep, oh, yeah, it's to watch the Steelers-Eagles game because the Steelers better get back on track. That's a big game with the Eagles in the lead of the NFC East going up against the Steelers. Another win, that could really throw that division into chaos. It's already in chaos, but it would throw it into even more chaos. The NFC East is the second worst division of all time through five second. games. No, okay, you brought up a historical point. I thought you were going to say second worst division at the moment. We were about to have a serious issue right there. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm really it's it's the it's the dumpster fire of the NFL. There's no excuses to be made, and I know that I I know that I ignored um, the talk about my 49ers. Um, Yeah, injuries, 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 and uh, Nick Mullins lost the 49ers the game, but he was pressured on more than half of his dropbacks, so that made his job hard. Um, but he definitely had a couple throws that were just completely his fault. And that's why we saw CJ Beathard replace him. My only gripe was if CJ Beathard was going to come in the game, why did it have to be when it was practically already over? You were down two scores. There was five minutes and 42 seconds left in the game. If you're going to put him in the game, at least give him more time. Yeah, it seemed like a rage benching than anything else to me. All right, and on that note, I think we're going to close out this episode of No Limits. We want to thank our special guest, Sean Holko, for joining us for this episode. And be sure to follow him on Twitter. I know he's got some big plans and big podcasts going up right now. So, But you're always welcome back here on the No Limits podcast, and we'll see you guys next week for the next episode.